0: Okay, this is our last class on prayer, which means that we only got to the beginning. (laughs) Scratched the surface. So the last class today, we're going to look at a couple of different scenarios regarding the structure of prayer. And then we want to end off with a, a more open discussion of alternative types of, of prayer that so we've mentioned but we haven't really discussed in any, in any depth so we'll start with the structure of prayer and what, by this I mean specifically we're going to talk about shakrit in the first class of the series we talked about the Structure of davening in the morning, the afternoon, and the evening as correspond to Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov and also as corresponds to the different services in the temple and thirdly as correspond to the changes in nature in the day those are the three structures that we learn as to why we're davening Morning, afternoon, and evening, corresponding to the patriarchs, <coughs> the temple service, and uh, the times of nature. They all go together very well. But we're going to look at today is mostly the structure of shachrit, and so we're going to give over two uh, very similar. Structures are not exactly the same, but the, the meaning are, are, are very similar. And we'll start with the, the dream of Yaakov. The dream of Yaakov with the ladder, so it's brought down that among many, many things, many, many symbolisms of the ladder, is that it represents prayer. Now, this can be seen almost from the the simple context of the dream. Because we learned that it says, He came upon the place. And Rashi over there told us that that means he prayed in that place. In other words, he initiated the evening service. He came upon the place. It's also connected to uh, hitting something. Or to be pogea because
1: yeah.
0: you're, you're hitting something. So it means that he he came right on the right at the target on the place. He you know, targeted them. The Rashi told us about that, that. What that meant was that he prayed in that place. So it's a very simple connection, but most people don't make it. Is he davens? and then he goes to sleep and he dreams. So there's actually a very, very deep connection between praying and dreaming, which uh, is actually a very, very beautiful connection because it's not what most people would think of. Mm -hmm. But in a sense, when we're praying, we are entering into a dream-like state. In other words, because the, the power, the effect of the prayer is very dependent on the images and the visualizations that we are conjuring up. And this we already talked about at length, the idea of prayer-needing visualization. Because if not, you're reading the words, and you're not imagining any reality to them. But if you're reading the Yerushalayim Ircha Barachamim Tashuv, the city of Jerusalem we're asking God to return to, so if we don't have like an image of Jerusalem in our mind, So it's very hard to connect to to those words, we are just saying words, They're, they're not eliciting any image, any feeling. But if they do, it's almost like entering into a dream state, a meditative dream state. So in other words, Yaakov prays and then he dreams. So it's almost like one and one equals two. You could say, what is he dreaming? That what he just prayed about. That's what he's dreaming. What he just prayed about.
1: So he creates his visualization.
0: Yeah. Now this his dream became a an extension of his prayer. So that's one connection. The other one is that it says that the latter was entrenched in the ground and its head reached the heavens. So it's brought down that there's a number of different images there. One is that this is a description of the temple service. What is the ladder that's entrenched in the ground that reaches the heavens? That is the ramp leading up the altar. And who are the angels going up and down on the ladder? Colony. These are the Kohanim doing the service. So this is a beautiful connection to the idea of the ladder being connected to prayer.
1: In Christ, the Berg is already in heaven? Or in Shemaim? Or what's the smoke that... You're no, making? it's
0: uh, the God, who appears at the, from the, at the top of the ladder, yeah. so this is God receiving the oh. offerings, right. or in our case, yeah. prayers. Right, right. And the angels going up and down are the, the Kohenim doing the service. So,
1: that,
0: I mean, so that's very connected to the concept of the ladder representing prayer because we know that our prayer has replaced the sacrifices so another connection is that the latter as representing prayer has a a hierarchy, has a going from below to above (coughs) and therefore the Shla and other commentators gave over understandings of how when we pray we're like climbing a ladder closer and closer to God so like I said we have two uh, similar uh, paradigms we're going to give over a four tiered understanding of how we're climbing the ladder of prayer so we begin with what are called the morning brachas The blessings that we say in the morning And these are, are, are the very basic ways in which we thank God Just like we begin the day with That we're thanking God So all of the brachas are basically doing that There's just a whole series of Thank your God for this Thank you, God, for that. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. But in the form of official blessings. blessings. So this is corresponding to the world of Asiya. The world of action. Where these blessings are, are very uh, fundamental to our physical life. We're thanking God that we can see that we can stand up straight, that we have shoes, that um, that he provides all of our needs, that there's dry land to walk on, uh, blessings for the Torah, blessings for going to the bathroom, for washing our hands. All of these just very, very basic uh, expressions of thanks. And this all is connected to the what's called the world of action. olam Asiyah. That's our physical material world. The next part of prayer is called Sukei Dezimra. Verses of praise. Mostly consisting of the Psalms of, of David. And the content is very much about the, the natural world. Almost all of the descriptions are very earthy, very uh, uh, connected to nature. And so this is called the world of formation, the world of Yitzhira. Now we're beginning to thank God for the formation of the world and praising creation. And that leads all the way up to Boruchu, Yishtabach, Kaddish, and Boruchu. And that ends Sukkot Azimah. Then we begin the third. Section of prayer now we're, we're definitely going up and this is the Shema with the bracha, two brachas before and one bracha afterwards the Shema sandwich Shema is sandwiched between uh, two longer brachas and then one afterwards leading into the, the next the next level so the Shema This is the world of Bria of creation and the experience is the understanding of the unity of God So up to now we thank God we praised Him for uh, the world that He created and now we are focusing on the oneness behind creation. We start with multiplicity and our our physical and material needs. And as we go up the ladder, it becomes more and more uh, spiritual, more ethereal, more connected to divinity. And then the fourth section is... The Amida. The quintessential prayer in Judaism. The silent prayer, the standing prayer. And this is called the world of Atzilut, The world of emanation. But This is where we're focused on intimate union with God. That's where we can really experience the... That kind of union with God. Not that we can't in other parts of the prayer. But the Shmoner is the, the paradigm of all Jewish prayer. So that's an example of how we relate to the ladder in Yaakov's dream as a ladder of prayer. And we begin with with very basic washing our hands going to the bathroom uh, and the whole series of blessings of just getting up in the morning thanking God for the rooster and helps us determine between night and day all very down home very uh, earthy and then we rise up and we connect to the creation uh, as a whole and all kinds of verses of praise the world that God has made, and then in the third section, the Shema. So I didn't mention is then we we talk about the how the angels are praising God, and but the Shema is the central focus of that third section of prayer, and this is seeing the unity of God, and then the fourth we. We want to unite with that unity. Because until then, the Shema is more of a statement, and especially the three paragraphs of the Shema is our statements of God's uh, unity and the way God works in the world. And the fourth already is union with God. Now, if you think about it, though, there's something very, very paradoxical about the fourth (coughs) section of of prayer, being union with God, because when we look at the 18, or in our day 19 blessings that we're saying, the middle 12 are all requests. And at, at first appearance, this seems that maybe this belongs in the first level of prayer, as if this is union with God, why are we making requests? It should be just a, in a sense, an unspoken experience of unity, the pinnacle of davening. But paradoxically, we are we're asking for, for livelihood, <coughs> asking for children, asking for good health, we're asking for wisdom. We're asking for God to rebuild Jerusalem. We're asking for good judges. We're asking to do tshuva. So, they're, I mean, a very, very practical request. So this, this alerts us to a very, very deep secret here. A very deep secret is because the latter... Is described as being entrenched in the earth, and its head reaches the heavens. So here we see in this prayer, which is the having our head in the heavens, yet our feet are very firmly on the ground, and that's why it's called the Amida. To yeah, stand. Yeah, to stand our feet are on the ground and our hand needs to be in the heavens and so we see that there's a union here between the physical and the spiritual between our request and our our highest aspirations that's where the unity comes in is that although at first appearance it might seem that making practical requests would be the farthest thing from an experience of union with God, but here we're saying no. That is is the unity that we're seeking here. That our everyday lives and our requests and our needs should be very connected to our desire to fulfill His will and to be (coughs) unified with God, not just for five minutes during prayer but throughout the whole day so it's a very great, great secret union of, of practical requests with it being identified with the world of Atsilut, which is like way up there. Okay, so that's one way of seeing the elevation of prayer. And what we can just keep in mind very simply is that prayer is supposed to be an elevating experience and we should have a, a certain awareness as we go through the, the prayers. There is a movement that so we're going from below to above. And it is like going up on a ladder. It is going up on the ladder. So does each rafa in the I Amidah mean, take you to a higher
1: level? Or does it suddenly come down in the middle 12? It, does it go? Does it plateau or, and then continue that
0: well, actually, I will answer that with the second okay. model. Okay, which we're going to do right now. And for this, we need a little introduction. Because there is a very famous midrash called Perikshira. Perikshira is a relatively short uh, to the point Midrash with very little explanation according to tradition it goes all the way back to David and or Shlomo Amelach. and it goes to a series of different creations and tells us what they are singing what verse they sing <coughs> Therefore, it goes through the six uh, chapters, and it goes through the sun and the moon, the stars, the earth, the seas, the rivers, and, and then it goes to uh, different agriculture wheat and barley and trees now there was a time that that this was said every day in ancient times people used to say it every day and even in modern times my wife says it every day every night is part of Shafri but during the day she says Perikshir and then it it goes to the trees fruits vegetables Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And then it goes into the animal kingdom: uh, animals, birds, fish, and which verse each one is saying. And no explanation; doesn't explain why they're saying these verses. Some of them are very obvious. Let's say the like the date palm it says tzadik etamayifach a righteous person will sprout like a date palm so that makes sense that that's what the date palm is saying but many of them it's, it's just not clear what the connection is. so there's many many different commentaries very deep commentaries that explain why each creation is saying these verses so then there's a question asked Who? Is saying these verses. Now, this whole thing of Parakshira comes into the context of the poetic belief, and in our time, the quantum physics belief that there is song at every level of creation. Quantum physics now calls it string theory and the whole reality of the atom and its vibration and the fields of energy that surround everything. Well, these are all based on frequencies and vibrations, which is exactly what music is. That is what music is. In ancient times, so even part of Psyche de Zimra, So David the Melech said uh, praise Him in the heavens uh, stars should praise God and the angels should praise God and the waters above the heavens and the trees and the fields so he was saying the same thing in other words there is a level of song and every strata in every dimension of creation. So Parachira is just explaining that each creation has a song. Every creation has its song. So then, I'll say again, the, the question is okay. asked, well, so who is singing these songs? <coughs> so there's four opinions. There four opinions. The first opinion is that it's the <coughs> excuse me it is the creation itself, meaning that every creation, whether it's animal, vegetable or mineral or human, has an inner song. That inner song is its essence. The song that these creations are singing are their essence. So, therefore, the first opinion is who is singing these songs? Each and every creation, because each and every creation has an essence, and it's expressed through their song. It's a very beautiful idea just in and of itself. Yeah. The second opinion is that it is the angel or the guiding force of that physical creation that is singing the song how do we understand this? so we understand that, that it says in the, in the Talmud that a blade of grass does not grow unless its angel hits it and says grow What does that mean? What it means is that everything in the physical world has a spiritual counterpart in the upper world. And if you remember when we were learning the anatomy of the soul, we said over and over again that the soul is like an inverted iceberg that in this world, an iceberg, there's a little bit that sticks up and the rest is hidden under the surface. Whereas the soul, it's the same principle but inversed. That a little bit of the soul comes into our body, the rest of it remains hidden above. So, the idea is who is singing this song? Either our higher level of soul, or the angel or spiritual forces that are connected to us are singing the song. For example, when Yaakov fights. The man. That's how he described the man. So Rashi says, who is this man? The angel of Asa. Because it was clear, who, why was he fighting this man? Because the next day he had to face Asa. But Rashi says that night he was fighting the angel of Asa. Because the, the battle ultimately was, it was a spiritual battle. So that's how we understand it's it's our higher soul or an angel meaning a, a spiritual energy that is over overlooking our our lives the third opinion is it's man who is singing these songs how
1: we animate the objects so.
0: um, not exactly not exactly, is that man looks at the world and looks at these different creations in Parashara and through understanding, wisdom, knowledge and intuitive picking up of energy superimposes, as it were what it thinks this creation is singing. In other words, maybe, maybe a good example is a cartoon. Right? We, uh, you have cartoons with all these animals and all these animals are talking to each other like they're human beings. In other words, we're superimposing on cats and dogs and ducks and, and and rabbits <coughs> right like Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny and uh, Donald Duck that they think like us and they talk to each other like us you know we're superimposing on them what we imagine they are thinking about or feeling or how they communicate so it's the same thing with who is singing these songs we look at uh, a date palm and through uh, let's say empathy through f- feeling the essence of the date palm we come to understand what its song is so it's actually we who are s- singing these songs and superimposing them on these creations
1: and would mean that everything would have its own separate song every person would break unreality the reality of, yes. of that, song, or that song in a sense, in a sense, well, yes can I ask which so ones out of the three are you, are you more?
0: no, there's one more <laughs>
1: okay, out of the four one more
0: one more, so who, who do you think is the, the, the other parts
1: Hashem
0: Hashem now this is where the animating comes in in other words, that the song of creation is, as we said the essence of something, and so this essence is energy. So God is singing this creation into being, which is very much like the first one. Where the, it hasn't Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. But here it's, it's God, in a sense, creating continually, continually through the song, through the song all these all different creatures. So when you get four different opinions like this, and now we have to decide which one is right. So which one do we say?
1: Say the first and the fourth are very similar, I take the fourth.
0: Okay, you like the first and the fourth. What do you say?
1: Okay, I say it's the last one.
0: It's the last one. What do you think the, the Talmud would say?
1: True.
0: The third one. The third one. Through us. through us. Okay. What do you think the Talmud would say? The
1: third one.
0: Definitely. Third.
1: Human beings.
0: Yeah. Now you're both right, but I would claim the Talmud would say they're all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> see
1: what you're They're all right. I don't know.
0: And, and so what's different what's and different and different levels. If it all is one, eventually, yes.
1: Yeah. Um.
0: Why is the third one hardest to
1: Because it's denying that the the, the, the the intrinsic essence of the thing, and saying that that each each personal perception will animate will. Mm. Well, well ah, okay
0: so I hear what you're saying but our question though was yeah,
1: yeah.
0: who is singing the songs in Perikshira we didn't really say what, In Perikshira? yeah yeah we didn't really okay, say As an objective song yeah, right, objective yeah. Right. yeah yeah we didn't really say who is singing a dog's song like for oh, real
1: right,
0: right. it was more like who are singing the songs in Perikshira
1: you
0: knows how did Perikshira come to be written the the author's understanding of who are singing these songs says so the dog says the the rooster says the mountain says the rivers say so like who who is saying these songs so that's why the t- the, 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 the I say the right answer but the, the typical Talmudic answers are all right. Yeah. Just depending on what perspective you're looking at. Okay, so why did I <coughs> bring all of this? Is now we're going to connect very beautifully these ideas to prayer. And you'll see it's very similar to our first paradigm of four sections of prayer connected to four worlds. Except the the correspondences will be just slightly different. So in this, the first part of prayer, we're starting from Sukhidizimra. We're starting from verses of praise. And in the verses of praise, we see how David is uh, encouraging all the different creations to sing praises of God. And we see that the, the section is called uh, uh, Verses of Praise. Okay, so just to review. The first level is Psyche de Zimra. They already were different, but the other paradigm we began with the morning blessings. Yeah. So here we're, we're, we're starting. And here we're not really connecting them to the worlds per se, not that they're not, but it's more to who is singing in Perichshir. So, and just as as explanation, as we said a number of times already, that the word for prayer in Hebrew, tefillah, is the same numerical value as psalm, shir.
1: (laughs) So are you relating all these to those four, four possibilities? Yes, yeah. So, was the first possibility.
0: Yeah, so again, but we're not calling it Afiyah as- here, yeah. per se. Yeah. What we're saying is yeah. that Psukhi de Zimra, yeah. uh, verses of praise, relates to that it's the creations that are singing the song. Right. So in other words, when we're davening and we're doing Psukhi de Zimra, we should, we should be very aware that the whole creation is singing. That's why sometimes when, i like, call daven outside, <coughs> it's just so beautiful to hear the birds, you know, twerping and singing while I'm twerping and singing. Right? Because they just feel very connected <coughs> to Nature, even in, even in the Beis Knesset, you can hear the birds. So Pesukah deZimra, we're connecting to all creation of creation is singing. That's the first level. And then, if we look a little bit more carefully in in the section of the Shema, so the first uh, long blessing leading up to the Shema. Is all about the angels. Even though we mention the angels very briefly in Psukkah here we have this very long explanation, a beautiful, poetic, gorgeous explanation, how the angels are singing to God every day. And it's literally singing, because it says in the prayers that, that they're, they're singing and harmonizing together. And the pinnacle is what do they say? Kadosh, 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 the Sons of the Low Color Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of Hosts. The whole world is full of His glory. So this relates. Actually, I will go back <coughs> and say Sukkot Azimah is connected to the world of Asya. Yeah? It's, it's our world, the world of creatures. <coughs> the second section, the second section is Yetzirah,
1: okay.
0: because we're told that the world of Yetzirah is the world of angels. Okay. And we it that
1: so the first section, the, the morning brachas, was related to Ohsasia.
0: Yes, in, in this in this paradigm, yes.
1: Yeah.
0: And then we're connecting it to that each creature is singing its own song. But with the angels it's obviously connected to the opinion that it's the angel of each creation that is singing the song of Perichir. So that's why the second, the, the, the long bracha leading towards the Shema is all about the angels singing and praising the third opinion is man who is singing the songs of creation Perichur and this connects to Shema because just like the world of Yetzirah is called the world of angels the world of Bria is called the world of Nishanas the souls and Shema, it's definitely we are singing here. We are making the declaration, Shema Yisrael HaShem or HaShem Khad. So now it's, we're singing. Right, so if you're following, we're going up this ladder, first the creation is singing, then the angels are singing, and then man is singing, and then from the Shema we go to the Amida, the Sh'mona Esrei, and this is a continuation of Olam ha Bria. I said it's a little bit different than the other paradigm, but they both work very beautifully because it's man who's still speaking or singing in the Amida. But a transition is starting to happen. Because what do we say before we start davening? Hashem, please open my mouth and my lips will declare your praise. So already this becomes a transition where God is beginning to speak through us. Now when we reach the high point, this was your question before, it, what happens in the Shema Naseh, when you reach the high point, where does it go? So right after the Amida, on most days of the year, not Shabbat, not holidays, but most days of the year we say Tachamun. That's when we, we hit our heart, and in that section are the 13 mirat arachmin and who says the 13 mirat arachmin Hashem does Hashem called out to Moshe and he taught him the 13 mirat arachmin so here in the beginning of Shemona Asrei, in a sense God begins to speak through us but it's still us but then when we reach the pinnacle we do nefilat apayim we fall on our face, and this I learned from Bob Ginsburg, was was purposely put there because when we reach the pinnacle this becomes a purposeful bringing it down into this world as you think about it, we're going, we're, we're at union with God and the next thing we're doing is we're falling on our faces so that's what I do, when, when, when you get to the top then what happens? so, on most days, by doing Tachnun it's what's called an orchestrated fall there's a kind of falling where you get to the top and you can't maintain it and you fall off and you end up in the pits. The higher they rise, the harder they fall. (coughs) But here it's an orchestrated fall. It's a purposeful fall. And this is what's called the secret of the complementary concept to with a very well known concept is that you go down in order to go up so this is like the soul coming down into the world in order to rise up even higher than it was originally this is the classic case or the Jewish people going down to Egypt in order to come out and receive the Torah and go to Eretz but we all know from our own lives countless times where we have fallen and then later realized that that falling was the impetus for us to rise up to new levels but there's a complementary concept not as well known called Aliyah with Soh Going up in order to go down. What does that mean? That we aspire to spiritual heights not for the, the kef or the experience per se of those spiritual heights experience for the sake of experience (coughs) which is close to an addiction in the western world is experience for the sake of experience experience for the sake of experience right in other words um, we'll call it instant gratification I need some stimulus I need some I need some excitement I need some something to do. I need... I need... uh, something to get involved with. I need something to take my mind off of my life. So then there's a, a million things out there to keep us occupied for an hour, or two hours, or three hours, or whatever. And the whole purpose is the experience. Here we're talking about going up in other words, having an experience in order to bring it down into the world and have some real benefit from it, other than just the experience.
1: So we take that something high and you bring it in reality into this world. Yes,
0: exactly. exactly. But also
1: the Yurida means... Uh we have to sometimes have a fall in order to, it's like a
0: balance, we have to go down in order to come. Right? So, that's they're the complementary. <laughs> right. Why do I bring this in? Because when we finish the Amida, yeah. and we're at the top, and then we go into takhanun so that is yeah. the... We, went, yeah. we go up yeah. in order to bring it uh, down understand. Yeah. into our lives. That's, that's why I called it an orchestrated fall. Okay. It's a purposeful fall. Yeah. In the fall, not in a negative sense.
1: Yeah.
0: So this is the secret of what's called in the, in the Talmud, the story of the four that entered the Pardas. Four famous sages who worked a lifetime in achieving a mystical, meditative elevation of soul and when they did we're told that, that three of them so yeah, three of them were not able to deal with the high of the experience one went crazy one died and one became a heretic okay. and all the Rabbi Akiva went in in peace came out. and they came out in peace so we're told, well, what's the difference between Rabbi Akiva and the others? Is that because before Rabbi Akiva went in, he was already focused on bringing it back to normative reality. He, the others got caught in the experience. It was awesome. It was an awesome experience. But because they had their mind totally on the experience and not what I can do with this experience back you know, on planet Earth. So they got lost up there sometimes, as it were. But Rabbi Akiva, he also experienced something awesome. But he was focused the whole time on bringing it, bringing it back. So that's, so that's a classic example of Aliyah it's sort of going up in order to come down so we just presented two different structural paradigms of prayer they're both very similar in that they both entail an elevation as we go through the prayers so this will lead us into the last subject we'll discuss regarding prayer and that is what we'll call private, informal, out-of-the-box type of prayer. Because most of our time, we have discussed a formal prayer. And of course, as we've said many times, we've barely scratched the surface. Nonetheless there is a complementary type of prayer where it's very, very important for everyone to develop. And here we are out of the box. That's the whole point. That it's not in, instead of formal prayer. Formal prayer, when understood properly, when practiced properly, when approached with the right attitude, is an incredibly elevating spiritual experience. But in addition, even knowing that, all of the Hasidic Rabbi's uh, some more than others, but all encouraged a an individual, unique type of way in which we come close to God. So the one that is you know, very well known is *hit Bodadut that Rabbi Nachman developed. The word Hid Bodadut comes from the word Bodad meaning to be alone. Where he suggested an hour a day a person should go out into nature if at all possible by himself and to talk to God as if he was their best friend but to do it in any way that works best for you some people do it through singing some people do it through crying some people do it through meditating some people do it through shouting there's a whole thing in breast love of, of yelling at the top of your lungs <laughs> Um, others do it by literally just talking with God as if, as if he was just right there like your best friend but even more than that if you remember we learned this concept the anitafila and I am prayer where we learned that prayer should be not something that we do an activity but it should be something that we are. And I am prayer means I am in a constant state of communicating with God. All day long. All day long. My thoughts are always directed to speaking and listening to God. So therefore, we can take it and expand it greatly if someone is into art so that their artwork the process of the artwork we're not talking about the finished product that's not the point whatsoever but the process of creating art should be, can become a vehicle of deep prayer deep communion If someone likes to sing then they can turn their singing into a form of prayer. (coughs) If someone loves to uh, walk in nature then they can take that experience and transform it into everything we've been saying about formal prayer but here we're in a informal setting and just really hear the song of creation. Not even that we're visualizing it. Because we're in, in a synagogue and so we're visualizing all of creation singing. Here we're out in nature and we can, we can hear the birds. We can you know, hear the jackals. We can hear the wind blowing through the trees. We can hear the leaves crunching under our feet, and with a little visualization, it all turns into a, a symphony of a divine uh, song of creation. So, in other words, really any any activity can be turned into a a type of of prayer. Be turned into a type of prayer doing a mitzvah now as we're doing a mitzvah we can, in a sense, turn it into a prayerful experience So remember that's what Rabbi Nachman said that we should take our Torah and turn it into tefillah turn it into prayer meaning that as we're learning whatever we're learning there should be this this layer of one like praying that this should become manifest. Let's say we're we're sitting here learning about Hanukkah. All these beautiful things about Hanukkah. So again, we can learn it very intellectually. Let's we're lear, let's say we're learning about the infinite light that Hanukkah represents. Well, as we're learning about it, we can turn it into a prayer that God should allow me to really experience this infinite life. Not just to learn about it or to understand it intellectually, but to actually feel it, to integrate it, to see it. If I'm learning about Shabbos, even even the, the laws of Shabbos, the technical laws of Shabbos, it could be turned into a prayer that I should merit to keep the Shabbos so perfectly that I'll be able to to extract from it all the peace and bliss that is waiting there to be extracted. So these are just examples how we could take Torah and turn it into prayer and then we can do the opposite too take our prayer and turn it into Torah and this is something that we mentioned and it can't be mentioned enough that the more we learn about prayer from the halacha to the most mystical understandings of prayer that we, sh- we should take the time to learn the individual prayers and the commentaries on them. It would make it so much more meaningful. It would make it so much more meaningful. If we took a couple of weeks and, and learned about the Amida All of a sudden, we would start saying the Mita, we we just would have a different approach to it. We'd like, oh, this is why the sages put this bracha before that bracha. And this is why they chose these words. And, you know, this is what Rabbi Akiva said about this bracha. All of a sudden, it it would be so much more alive for us. So I'm going to end with one one more idea. I saw there's a, a, a beautiful quote from Rabbi Avram Yeshua Heschel, and he wrote a book called "Man's Quest for God." And if you know Rabbi Avram Yeshua Heschel's writings, he he was a poet at heart. His prose are basically just poetry in prose form. He wrote extremely poetically. And so he said very, you know, very, very beautiful things. And he said one thing. He said, feeling becomes prayer in the moment in which we forget ourselves and become aware of God. And this is an important point because... Actually, I'll quote one other thing that he says. He says, Genuine prayer is an event in which man surpasses himself. Its beginning lies on this side of the word, but the end lies beyond all words. So this is a very, very important point about about prayer. Here we're talking about very lofty ideas such as unifying with God. In prayer, but this is not a state that all people uh, have have experienced. In other words, exactly said, so we our prayers begin on this side of the words, but they end beyond all words. And the I guess the, the key transition is the ability to let go of one's ego and experience godliness. That sounds, oh, that's, you know, sure, of course. But for many people that is not such an easy thing to do. Many people are so tied to this world and the realities of this world and the strictures of this world and the uh, time demands and all the other demands that to go beyond ourselves is not not such an easy thing to do and we're told that in prayer whether it's formal or informal (coughs) that this is where we actually cross the bridge and we can bridge man and God in those very very special moments where we can get beyond not only the words that we're saying but our concept of of everything in, in human terms and to be open for a more divine experience. So in this, in this sense, it's, it's very much like a meditative, dream-like state that we allow ourselves, or like, <coughs> like I said before, this, the, 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 a orchestrated fall. But we have to orchestrate our openness. It does not come of, of its own. We have to. We have. We have to. We have to work to get beyond ourselves and to open up the neshama and to take the time to do this. And then that's where we we reach, in a sense, the the, the essence of tefillah. Essence of tefillah. This is where prayer leaves the realms of being an obligation and truly becomes a spiritual experience so we'll just end with a bracha end with a bracha that we should merit to experience tefillah on all its levels from the simple obligation to follow the, the ways that the, the sages taught us of how to serve God through Tefillah Tefillah the Tzibor with, with a community and we should really come to understand the, the incredible depths of the words of Tefillah as uh, established by the sages and then at the same time we should all develop Our own unique, special, and secret way of communicating with God, where to feel it becomes not just what we do, but who we are.